From the boardroom to the locker room, sport captures the imagination like little else. In this podcast, we talk to the men and women who make the big decisions and those who make the big plays to find out where sport is and, importantly, where it's going. But we do so through the only eyes that matter, those of the fan. And a very warm welcome to our new show, Generations, in association with Loch Lomond Whiskey, with your hosts, Andy Nichol and me, Giles Morgan, and brought to you by the Are You Not Entertained Sport Podcast Series. From the comfort of our vast Chesterfield sofas in our very hospitable drawing room, where there is a huge log fire ablaze and where we are sipping the finest Loch Lomond single malt whiskey available anywhere, Andy and I will be chatting to some of the great names from the world of sport who share a special and unique sporting bond with other members of their family. Throughout the history of sport, these generational and familial bonds can be found everywhere where insane talent emanates from the same families. From the old and young Tom Morris, the Williams sisters, the Charlton brothers, Archie Eli and Peyton Manning and the Corder sisters, the list is long and the name spectacular. Over this series, we are going to meet a few of those families to understand what it is like to have these extraordinary family connections. What were the challenges? What were the advantages? Were there any disadvantages? And all is brought to you thanks to the very good folk at Loch Lomond Whiskies who will keep our tumblers charged throughout. Andy, how lovely to see you. You're right. How's yeah, things? Fantastic. Thanks, Giles. We, uh, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Edinburgh. The sun's been shining for over a week. We've maybe not had the temperature that the south of England have had, but uh, it's been pretty good here. So, yeah. Yeah, but with, with your complexion, you weren't too much sun. Otherwise, you look like some sort of rhubarb or something. Yeah. If it hits 20, <laughs> we struggle. <laughs> it's nice to see you looking as blue as ever. Look, Andy, we only do this show um, about once a month. And, and bugger me, there's a lot of... Well, there always seems to be a lot that's happening in, in the world of sport. And... Golf seems to be hell-bent on its own destruction, having had an amazing few years through through COVID. Um, the England cricket team seems to have rediscovered a bit of form in test match cricket, which is brilliant to watch. And, and club rugby all over the world seems to be sort of roaring. What are your thoughts? I mean, you're a former sportsman at the very highest level. What are you seeing? Oh, so much to see, isn't it? It's... Uh... It's amazing when you think that the sort of premiership football season comes to an end, you think that's it, there's nothing on. But my goodness, there's so much going on. Um, US Open last week, loved it. Matt's Fitzpatrick, fantastic. Um, I was a bit torn. I had money on Salatoris, who he's going to win a major. There's no doubt about that. But I was so pleased for Matt Fitzpatrick and Billy Foster on the back. And uh, uh. You know, he's just a character. I heard him speak at a dinner in Edinburgh a number of years ago. It's so funny. And you could see the emotion. That was... That was emotional sport, wasn't it? When Billy Foster broke down at the end there. And it was his first time having carried for Seve, for Westwood, for Bjorn, all the people like that. Yeah, that was his first major, which was incredible. And so, I he- did, you know, I know I know Billy quite well. And I didn't know that. I thought, I somehow thought he, under Seve, with Seve, had won, but he hadn't. That wasn't his time. I thought it is extraordinary because he's the kind of him and the wee man who's been on yeah. Are You Not Entertained before. They're the two king caddies. They are the most influential. Billy not having a major, I just was flabbergasted. And that, um, you're right, when he kissed the flag, it was just, oh, 
Good on you, lad. And, and it's an individual sport, of course it is, because he's not swinging the club, he's not holding the putts. But that was a team effort, wasn't it? And and oh. Billy had a huge influence in that. But Matt Fitzpatrick, that shot out the bunker in 18, I mean, let's be honest, there's not been a better shot than Sandy Lyle in the 18th at Augusta back in 1985, I think it was, or something like yeah. that, anyway. And that was right up there with that. All the commentators were saying, outside ways, take your chance up and down. But no, no, he went for it. And Tell uh, me, Andy, tell me, how does Mrs Nicholl, how does she cope with you? When you're, you're quite a sports tragic and there's, you know, there's a big sports event like the golf and the golf takes a while and, and you disappear off to the TV and and you're not seen for a few hours. I mean, has she learnt to really cope with those absences now? US Open golf or any uh, sport from America is good because it's way past their bedtime at nine o'clock. So, <laughs> so I, I get to, to uh, luxuriate in the lounge. I'm not even up in the attic for, where we've got a TV. So now we've got a good relationship when it comes to watching sport. Well, good. Thank but, God. Well, but, you know, got- but, but, you know, Jazz, there's so many other things. I mean, that US Open was great, but uh, you would, uh, there was a, a big weekend for, for rugby across the globe on Saturday. We had the Super Rugby final between the Crusaders and the Blues that the Crusaders won. Uh, we had the URC final, the first URC final, all South African affair. Who would have thought the Leinster wouldn't have been in that? Who would have thought the Leinster would have come out from a season without any trophies? Because you looked like they were almost a stick-on for both the Champions Cup and the URC, but the Stormers won that in Cape Town in a, in a tight match. And then with the Premiership final with, with Leicester and Saris, you know, both teams who have come from the depths, one self-inflicted with uh, the salary cap and being relegated down into the, the Championship. And then Leicester, who that very season when, when Saracens got put down, they were bottom of the league. And they would have been relegated if Saracens hadn't um, been demoted. So a remarkable turnaround. And listen, it wasn't the most exciting game from rugby being thrown around. It wasn't like the Super Rugby final early in the morning. But my goodness, it was gripping. And it was just a tactical masterclass. Steve Borthwick has done an unbelievable job there. And it was all about not giving Saris a target, which means they kicked the leather off the ball. That's why they picked Richard Wigglesworth at scrum half, who's 39 years old. And Ben Young's 100-odd caps for, for England, most cap men's player in England's history. Yet he was put on the bench because the kicking game that Wigglesworth can bring to it was what they needed to do to not give Saracens a target. So, you know, there, there was just... It was gripping. Uh, Freddie Burns in the moment, you know, if you're a standoff and your job is to kick penalties and drop goals, not many in their career get to do it in the last minute of a championship final or a premiership final. Johnny Wilkinson obviously famously did it in the World Cup in 2003. Joel Stransky did it in 1995 for South Africa. But for Freddie Burns, he's had a few ups, a few downs in the last few years. For him to step up and execute that at the end was brilliant. So it was a, a it was a gripping final. Yeah. But Giles, I'm really interested in the mindset thing. So we move out of rugby because Leicester had a clear mindset to, to win that final. But... You know, the test match cricket, English test match cricket has been transformed by a change in, in coach and a change in captain. And it just comes down to mindset. You know, Brendan McCollum has come in and just completely flicked a switch. And it's like just lit a fire under the English team. And, you know, Johnny Bairstow's innings was just unbelievable. But so is, so is Stokes and, and everyone. And I just think the English test cricket mindset has just been transformed. And, you know, they went. there was no doubt they were going to go for that victory in that final day. And you remember, I think last year, was it against West Indies? They, there was a, a target with fewer runs, but yet more overs. Yet they chose not to go for it. 
Now that's a mindset change, a massive mindset change, but it was just so exciting to watch. And I think anyone, you know, fair play to to uh, Trent Bridge for giving free entry for that final day. What an atmosphere and what a change in mindset. Which well, I must just say, I, I snuck off work and uh, not that I worked very hard, but I, I snuck off work, work, I, I work I was doing and sat down four o'clock, I think it was, as best I'd been in for a little while. And... You know, in the same way, there were people who used to say that in Botham's Headingley 81 knot, they were there and most people weren't because it was it was all over. Um, I think there'll be a lot of people saying, and in fact, there were a lot of people at Trent Bridge because of that very sensible decision to let people in. But I think people all over the UK were watching that one. It was insane. That batting, and they, I remember listening to Stokes afterwards, he talked about Johnny Bairstow's eyes and they just knew that, this guy was seeing it like a football, smacking it all out. I mean, he just couldn't miss. But you're right, it comes from mindset. And, I mean, you'd have played in, in, in well, so many rugby teams. Presumably, there are coaches who could just get something out of out of the boys and that you played with simply by changing that that's that the the, the, the 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 mental approach yeah without doubt i mean jim telfer and ian mcgeekin as a combination were fantastic they did it in different ways but you know I look at i love sport all sport i look at jürgen klopp everyone wants to play for jürgen klopp doesn't it liverpool is everything's about just playing for them pep at man city's slightly different and alex ferguson at man u was even more different. It was almost a fear, which was what Jim Telfer used to give us. But I just think that's changed now. And Jurgen Klopp is the modern day leader of a sporting team. And he gets, gets everything from them. But, um, you know, great to watch. But uh, Giles, let's bring it back to today's session. We're, uh, we've got two wonderful guests. And uh, why don't you give a bit of background on them? Yeah, we really do. This show is all about generations and the, the, the guys we've got coming are the kind of ultimate intergenerational uh, sportsmen. Michael Liner, who I think is certainly in the pantheon of Australian sporting greats. Forget rugby, just sporting greats. He was a World Cup winner with the Wallabies in 1991. He won 72 caps for Australia at a time when, you know, that, that was a lot of caps. That's a lot of time. It was a career that spanned from 84 to, to 95 as an international player. He went on a little bit longer with Saracens there. And he burst onto the scene very, very young, barely out of short trousers from school. He was, I think, only 20 years old, got in as a centre, played with the great Ella brothers and won a Grand Slam. And it was one hell of a Grand Slam. They played a kind of style of rugby that you and I remember. We would be in the schoolboy enclosure kind of time in our life, Andy. And um, he went on from there to be a a world record holder with 911 points. And it felt to me, Andy, I mean, I think you'll talk about it later. I think you played against him a few times, which is amazing. He seemed to go on forever. But not content with just being a great Australian rugby player, he then went on to have a vast family, which includes three lads, um, Lewis, Tom and Nick. Nick is the youngest and he's still at school, um, but promising. And I think in the Quinns Academy, which means he's, he's bubbling along nicely. Tom is now playing for the for the Queensland Reds, which is wonderful for him. He goes back to Australia, the, the, the land of, of where his father comes from and where his father played for. So, again, great things expected of him. And, and, and Lou, as we'll call him for the moment, he's 21. He's the eldest. He's the senior boy. And he's a Harlequin who can already boast a, a premiership title, which was the first time Harlequins had ever won one um, and is looking like one of the most promising players. And it's fascinating because their mother, Isabella, is Italian, which means all three can play for England, Italy and Australia. 
and as a conundrum that I'm sure we'll we'll chat about. So let's um let's bring them on the show, Michael and Lewis Liner. Michael, Lewis, a very warm welcome to to Generations. It's it's lovely to see you, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Pleasure, pleasure, Charles and Andy. Nice to be here. Oh, thanks for having me on. Well, good on you. Now, listen. The first thing, Michael, I've got to ask you the question. You've got you've got three uh, lads, all of whom are handy rugby players and grew up presumably eating a lot. The grocery bills must have been absolutely insane. Well, they're they're as we all know, uh, it's it's they're getting bigger. Even though one's gone to Australia, I think they're still probably bigger now than the cost of living crisis, etc. But yeah. Yeah, luckily they're all backs and not forwards, so um, it's not too bad. And um, Isabella, um, my wife and the boy's mum, um, loves to cook, and uh, we, we we well, we all eat very well. Put it that way. Well, I mean, she's the more so than the boys. They're, they're <laughs> athletes. I was going to say, Mrs. Liner really is the unsung hero. She's the one we probably should have on. She's been keeping the show on the road all these years, I, I suspect. But, Michael, I wonder, you know, we talked about you came on the show a, a year or so ago, which was wonderful. We talked about your career. But I, I'm interested. You, you, have th- you have your boys and you're a, a great sportsman in, in, in your day. And I imagine, knowing you as I do, that you're keen for them to develop, but you don't know how well a child is going to perform at school level or whatever level. When did you start to notice that any three of them, but presumably Lewis versus as the eldest, had some talent that was worth persevering with, as opposed to a proud parent who thinks their child's going to do really well, but is probably just of average standard? Yeah, it's a good question, Giles, because I think we all do... particularly on our first child, we all think that they're great and, you know, one day they'll open a jar of jam on their own and you think that's the <laughs> terrific thing, how talented is my son. Um, but I first noticed Lewis was always quite a stocky and strong kid, very, very young, like sort of started walking very early and was very independent and in terms of that sort of thing and um, very active. Uh, and in the garden he was he was always very, you know, running around and, I guess I first sort of started notices when you when other kids started coming around at sort of four or five years of age and throwing a ball, a tennis ball around or something, and you compare them, you know, to their development around other kids. And um, Lewis was always very skillful with a ball, you know, he was very and he was happy with it and liked playing with them and all with the ball and all that sort of thing and could catch it and. We're teaching him how to play cricket and all that sort of thing and kick it. And um, and compared to other kids, uh, he it, it was seemed to be much more natural and much easier uh, skills to, 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 to do. And, you know, while you don't have any great, um, you know, ambitions to, although one day he's going to play international rugby or something like that, no, nothing like that. It was more he's developing in the right way. He's physically very good. Um, uh, and you just sort of hope that that continues along with, you know, his education. And I guess that from a rugby point of view, we we went down to Richmond under sixes. Um, tell me if I'm wrong with the age group, Lou, but I think you're a little bit young as well for the under sixes. I think you're sort of a year young for it, but we got you down there. And it was pretty obvious um, to me anyway that uh, Lewis had something, something special um, in comparison to the other kids uh and 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 that sort of developed naturally really uh and i i guess i compare it to his brothers as well tom was 
not quite as enthusiastic about getting out onto the field and, and running around. He he was a little bit more reticent. Um, they were both sort of had their moments when they didn't want to play, so we didn't make them um, uh, do that at all. But uh, we wanted it to be their decision. But I think pretty early on I noticed all three of them um, had sort of skills, uh, particularly around ball, ball, ball handling and all that sort of thing. And it, had they not had that, I would have been quite surprised because Isabella, their mum, my wife, um, was a, an Italian-ranked junior tennis player. And um, so if they didn't have ball skills, you'd be a bit worried. <laughs> and and Lewis, yeah. uh, Lewis, as the as that young boy running around Richmond and, and in the back garden, you know, were you when were you first aware that you had a famous dad? Uh, God, probably when I was around eight or so, eight or eight or nine. Uh, it kind of came about in when I was playing for Richmond. So um, it was quite. I always got like, uh he's his dad, uh, this Michael Linus son, etc. And I think it was. It became even more when I uh, when I went to Hampton, which is my secondary school. When I was thirteen, that's when you start playing older boys and it's much more competitive and boys keep on uh, every time I heard on the sideline like oh that's so and so sudden or like my teachers my coach would tell me oh they people always prepare for you because they know who you are and your pedigree and stuff like that so it's always it always had a bit of a bit of pressure on my back but I kind of enjoyed it it wasn't something I really shied away from I, I was going to ask you that, that that thing of, you know, Liner is quite a, it's not like Smith, it's a quite a distinctive name. Rugby is a smallish sport. Was that quite tough that people, you know, you were aware that parents were of your mates or people you were playing with? When did that start to, God, that there's more pressure on me somehow? Uh, yeah, again, probably secondary school when it, it was a bit, uh, a tiny bit Richmond when I was younger, like everyone expected me to do something when I caught the ball. And it was a lot easier when I was younger because obviously it was people were smaller and there, there was a bigger skill gap. And but when we got to secondary school, it, especially with teenage boys, so when I started playing for the first team when I was fifteen or even younger, if I didn't score a hat trick or if I didn't run the length of the field or something like that, people would be like, "Oh, he's a bit, he's bad." Like, <laughs> and did people try and take did people try and take lumps out of you? Do you think you're anti-Australians and many of them in the English <laughs> in England who go, well, here's a chance we can have a shot we can have a shot at, at a naughty son. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, maybe I, I never. It maybe it was more when we played like Wellington or uh, like a big rival school. They would always go a bit harder at me. They, especially Brighton. Actually, when I got to first team level. Um, all the years I played against Brighton, their coach, Nick Boy, or Boy, sorry, he, he coached me at England under 16s and he was Marcus Smith's coach. Um, and he had a specific game plan was as soon as I caught the ball, everyone just run it, like run. <laughs> like four, every time I caught the ball against Brighton, there'd be about four people on me straight away. And it's very, very annoying. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah, they did it, they did it well. So credit to them. No, I, I've got, I've, I've remembered a story that, uh, and it's just when you mentioned Richmond, Michael. That, and, and I, I, I don't know if it was Lewis or, or maybe Tom, but did Lauren, Lawrence Delalu and Jason Leonard's son play in the same team? Was there? Did you play with them, Lewis? Yeah. So no, Jason's son was in my was my age. Lawrence's son Enzo's was the year below. Right. Um, yeah, but I played against and with them as well. 
The story I heard was that the poor coaches at this team, that they're, they're coaching the, these young boys and educating them in rugby, and they look to the sideline, and there's three dads, Michael Liner, Jason <laughs> Leonard, Lawrence Delalio, <laughs> with about, what, 300-odd caps together. And this, this guy probably played for his old Flaphonian thirds, and he's trying to <laughs> impart his knowledge. I just... I like, Andy, nothing wrong. Andy, nothing wrong with the old Flaphonians, may I say. <laughs> <laughs> did, um, you're absolutely right, Andy. He, um, I think it was Peter Scott Lou that came over one Saturday, Sunday morning and just said, "Can you, can you three go and get a cup of coffee, please? Yeah. Go somewhere else. <laughs> you're intimidating me." So, and, yeah, uh, Michael, hypothetical uh, and might be difficult to answer, but do you think, do you think it'd have been different if you'd been growing up in Australia for Lewis to to come through the the rugby ranks? Was it was it slightly easier for Lewis because he was in England? I think it was easier from a, a sort of a, a pressure point of view. I think it would have been um, a, a, a substantially more than the pressure he got here. I think because of the, you know, the the exposure and you know people remembering me and all that sort of thing in Australia. Um, I um, I'm not saying it wasn't easy for him here, and he and he did get um, or did get uh, quite a bit of bit of pressure because of the name, but I think it probably would have been a little bit more so in Australia. So slightly easier from that sense of view, uh, point of view, but from from a point of view of actually getting to play sort of professional rugby, I think um, Lewis probably would have prevailed if that's what he wanted to do in Australia. He may have discovered surfing or something like that out there, so who knows. Um, well, but, with, that, with that haircut, he could easily have done. He's halfway there. If he looks like Cameron Smith, if he could putt and putt and chip like him, I'd be very happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could, after my injury, I could come back and be a professional golfer. Yeah, that, like that, Lou. I'd caddy for you. <laughs> And just yeah, not only that, I th- just think of the, uh, the just think of the money you could play in this with the Saudis. Lewis has been remiss of us not to ask about your injury. How are you? And, and um, you know, next season will you be back fit and strong for next season? Yeah, yeah. So it's all good. The operation went a lot better than what they initially thought. They managed to repair basically all of the lateral meniscus, um, which happened to have quite a big tear for it. Um, it, was, it happened in the last game of the season against Exeter in the first half, and I still managed to play the whole game on it. So, I mean, push comes to shove, I could have maybe <laughs> played on it, but I don't think it would have done any good for me um, doing that. But um, it's a lot better, thank you. Um, it's been actually a week this day since the operation, and the swelling's gone down, and recovery time's about three months. So hopefully back start of September and back into it, maybe missing a game or two, but hopefully coming back better, fitter and stronger. Well, best of luck. As somebody who's rehabbed from knee injuries many times, it's a lonely place, but uh, you know, good luck and yeah. uh, enjoy the summer. No, thank you. Lewis, you 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 burst onto the scene young. The, the the 2020 season was huge for you, and obviously huge for Harlequins, and the the media being the media tout you around as as the son of and all the rest of it. But Michael, you burst onto the scene equally very young for Australia. I think in '84. Um, and played in one of the great Wallaby sides that went on to win that Grand Slam so memorably. Um, 
different types of pressure. You were presumably unknown other than a youngster who was bursting on whilst Lewis coming on, but a known name. How do you, what sort of advice were you able to give Lewis about the pressure of being young and where everybody's going to want to take the new kid on and, and, and the old guard wanting to show them a a, a few, you know, a few people down. What advice Mm. were you able to give? Um, Well, I I sort of went straight into the Queensland team, senior team, um, almost just sort of two months after I came out of school. So I was 18 and so I I sort of really did, and there was a lot of expectation. I mean, a lot of press and all that sort of thing because I I sort of took sort of Paul McLean, who was Queensland's favourite son back in the day. He moved back to fullback, so I took his place. So there was a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure, but you're right, there wasn't the same name recognition that Lewis had to deal with on top of that. So um, the advice... You know, I, I, we're not sort of ones that sort of sit down every night and sort of discuss the training and discuss it or that. Um, I mean, I've watched them, all of them, from a very young age, and it's more about if I see some subtle things or things to help um, with with that and how to deal with uh, the pressure, I guess. You you know, people find their own ways of dealing with pressure. I, 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 and if... You know, if they're having some issues, maybe, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit. But in dealing with your pressure, it's, you, you learn how to prepare yourself best for the game. You learn how to, to deal with it. You know, I've had a few issues over the years and, you know, that's where advice comes in, how to handle those things, how to handle disappointments, um, you know, not getting selected. And there's been a few of those. It's not, you know, it's not, not all been rose, rose sort of tinted glasses for for Lewis or the other boys, you know, they've missed out on stuff um, in terms of being selection and there's always disappointment there, but we've all been through that. And how do you then, you know, go about the next thing? So it's it's a very, you know, often um, it's a very um, fluid sort of situation. I mean, we're not, you know, Lewis mentioned he didn't even really know he had a famous father until eight. I mean, we've got nothing around the house that sort of indicates that, that what I did. Um, so it's, it's sort of a very, I think, a very healthy relationship. And the fact that I've been there, albeit a long time ago, and almost a different sport um, back then, um, it still helps with that sort of side about dealing things, preparing things, you know, and what what to do during the game. Um, you know, I think that every, you know, I always say, Lewis probably gets sick of it, but do the simple things well, and 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 the other stuff will come. And um, also, you know, those sort of things. But just about every time before they go and play, all of them, it, since they were young, it was, it was go out and enjoy yourself and have a bit of fun because there's no other reason you're really doing it. And um, But it's, I think my favourite saying is do the simple things well. Um, tackle, make your tackles, pass the ball well, catch the ball well, kick it out, you know, those sort of things and the other bits will come. So um, we're pretty open about it all, but it's, it's not it's not something that we're really heavy on here at home. It's not something that sort of gets discussed over every dinner table, uh, every dinner. And, and Michael, so I was, I was uh, first saw you in uh, 1984 in that Grand Slam game at Murrayfield when you were outside Le- Ella and Far Jones and Campo. I mean, boy, did you make that look fun and simple and, and brilliant. Uh, eight years later, then the first time I met you, I, I played against you. It was almost 30 years almost to the week, Michael, that, uh, oh, that Scot- yeah, Scotland <laughs> were out in, the, in my first cap tour and you were the reigning world champions uh, in there and it was brilliant. I got to play against Nick Far Jones on four and three consecutive Saturdays. But uh, 
it was a different game, and rugby was a very different game. So, so Lewis, you you must have watched videos of your dad, and uh, and hence you know uh, when we were playing back then. And can you actually? I mean, you, you probably laugh at some of the rugby that went on and some of the crazy stuff. But can you actually watch the game there, Lewis, and, and ask your dad for specific rugby advice, or is it more just that sort of? the pressure and international rugby. What, you know, can you actually get some rugby advice from from what was a different sport, as your dad just said? Yeah, I mean, um, rugby back then, all those years ago, you know, um, uh, no, it's, uh, it was, it's, it's simple, like simple things are done well, like dad was saying, like everyone's, everyone's running lines were perfect. Everyone's, it's, it just seemed all so easy. I hardly ever saw a spin path. Like I, 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 like it was just all these intricate moves that were done so fluidly, and maybe the defense wasn't as brutal or as well tra- coached as it is now. But I think, like you said, there's a lot to do. I always ask that about like uh, the pressures of playing at a bigger level. Like, like you said, um, Dad played for Australia when he was 18, 19. And I know it's a, it was a lot different back then. People were smaller. Um, it's much more physical now, but it's still pretty daunting playing against the All Blacks, for example, when you're 19 or something like that. And it's not it's not quite playing Newcastle at home, is it? So, <laughs> so yeah. it was, um, it's a lot of a lot of experience I can get. Uh, I, as Dad said, it's a very different game now, and he still you you still do give me advice on what to do, but um, it's more so how to cope with everything and how to deal with certain aspects of the game. Yeah, and I'll also pick up a little bit on, you know, I watch most of Lewis's games and I, if I see something live, I then go and have it that I, th- I think something I, that I saw, I go and have a look at the video. And there might be just little positional things, you know, maybe get, you know, I'll just pick those up and note them down to Lewis in passing. But I think a lot of it's around coping with pressure and coping with the different situations off the field because I don't think those have changed as much as the game has actually changed and you know still having to cope and get with nerves and crowds and people and game plans and coaches and selectors and all those sort of things haven't changed so they're the sort of things we we tend to talk about a little bit more and and so the loses big moment in the the um, premiership final two tries late on in that incredible 40-38 win against Exeter. Michael, as a dad watching that, you know, you're powerless to influence, you've given all the advice, you've given whatever tips that you could from your amazing career. When you're there on the stand watching and your your boy runs in uh, for two tries, just how did that make you feel? Well, well, I think I've sort of said it in the past, you know, cricketing has been pretty good to, to me um, and teams I've been involved with over the years. And uh, But that was the best day um, I'd had at Twickenham. It was fantastic. There's something different about, as you said, being on the field and having a, you know, sort of a little bit of control about what's going on and you're right in the middle of it. But if you're up in the stand powerless and sort of sitting there and, you know, it's a different feeling to see somebody else, um, particularly a son running around and doing so well. And, you know, scoring two tries is wonderful and all that sort of thing. It's terrific. But I was really proud of Lewis that day because he had a pretty tough first half and it was a big game for him. And, you know, he made a, made a couple of little errors, but what I was really proud that he turned those around and didn't let them affect him and actually, came back and you know played really really well did a lot of good things throughout the game apart from scoring two tries and um 
but yeah, it was it was yeah, as I said, it was my um my favourite day at Twickenham so far. Hopefully, a few more to come. As a Scotsman, I've not got many favourite days at uh, <laughs> Twickenham, although although we, we have had a few recently. But uh, but Michael, you you know you played the sport obviously at a high level. Your wife didn't. What's it like for Isabella to watch her her boy play, or all three of her boys play in a in a sport that is very physical? There's a lot of discussion about head contacts and everything. How, as a mum, how do, how does she view? She was a, she was the wife of, which is you're not connected, but then you you produce three boys that are now playing. How does how does she see yeah. the physical aspect of it? Um, I like all of us, you know. We, as I said earlier, we'd probably prefer the boys if they played tennis or golf or something like that. Where if it rains, if you go inside. So, um, but they've decided that that's what they like doing. I used to worry a little bit when you know, right at the start when Lewis came into sort of premiership rugby in Harlequins when he was young. You just sort of worry, particularly when he's marking a monster like um, Nadolo, um, you sort of worry whether how he can cope with the physical nature of it. But he seems to have done that pretty well, um, pretty well, very well. Um, and now Tom in Australia is going through the same thing. You know, he's just turned 19. And um, so, you know, and he's a lot more slighter than Lewis. A bit quicker, though, but he's a lot slighter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that but, um, but he, he's going through the same process, and that's that's worrying as a parent, you know, to see whether he he can cope with that. I'm sure he will be able to, but it, it, it's a worrying thing. And, uh, um, you know, I think every parent watching um, rugby, their kids play rugby, does have concerns about that, and naturally so. But Isabella, she, she, she's her father was a was a big rugby fan, so she, she's liked rugby all along. But yeah, it's not, it's not, not an easy. I imagine it's not an easy thing for any parent to sit there and and watch physical. You know, when Lewis had his knee injury recently, it's the first sort of major thing that he's been through. It, um, yeah, it's not nice. It's not a nice thing to see your son injured like that. I'm sure. And Lewis, for you, is it? Are you a nerve? Do you get ner- very nervous before match? Or you, you strike me as being? I've watched you a fair bit. Quite phlegmatic. You look like you. You feel very. You look comfortable, but beforehand, are you? Are you oh, sweating yeah, I buckets? Do, I do get very nervous before games. I always have, even the school game, which is pretty weird because, like, I, I don't know if it's more. I don't know. I think it's more the occasion of playing a game. It's not so much I'm nervous about playing someone or nervous about playing rugby it's more like the whole thing about playing rugby it's like it's going out in front of people and producing something that's what i get nervous about and i think i've never had a game where i don't get nervous i think it's a really good thing because it makes me play a lot better um it like heightens everything and 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 does that also say if you're playing golf with mates or you're playing cricket or other sports that you'd have played at school did you still get nervous if you were you if you're competitive do you still get the adrenaline yeah so yeah it, uh, yes yeah yeah but yeah not so much in cricket because it's more like more seduced like I, it was i wasn't too nervous like when i went to bowl i i kind of went and did it whereas like with rugby I think it's uh, it ties in with expectation and um, like a bit like having dad as uh, <laughs> having dad as my dad. Um, there's a bit of that factor, um, knowing people expect me to perform, especially at school. Um, people kind of relied on me to do something. Otherwise, even though we had some good players in the team, we might not have won if I hadn't made a, two breaks or something like that. And it's starting to get a bit like that with um, 
rugby now with Quinns and even hopefully with England soon because now it's all now that I'm playing so much it's all performance based if I play if I play really well I get more opportunities but as soon as that there's a small little dip in a team as good as Harlequin someone can just take my spot straight away and it's happened this season I've had a few off games and I've gone to the bench straight away so it's um that's what gets me more nervous but then as soon as the as soon as Marcus kicks the ball off for example it completely goes mm, it's that incredible uh, feeling is it Lewis where you, you're so nervous before you run out of the, the the change room but once you're out there it just all leaves you and you just go out and uh, and have a ball it's a, it's incredible it's the, it's the what it's the one bit I do miss about not p- being able to perform um, through old age it's just that 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 horrible the doubts in your mind before you run out of the change room but then when you get out it just leaves you it's uh, it's incredible Noddy, um, there's a. I love the fact that um, uh, Tom, middle son, has chosen to go back to Australia, and uh, he's staying with your mum and dad. I think I'm right in saying. Or, or, and you, so your dad Ian drove an 18 year old Michael Liner to Ballymore to play for the Queensland, and there he is taking his grandson Tom as an 18 year old to, to 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 Ballymore to play. That as a generational thing, which is what this podcast's all about. That that must be a lovely moment for your for your dad, for 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 Tom and Lewis's grandfather to be to be part of that. Yeah, I think so. And uh Tom's always been very independent and in he's thinking he went to a different school to his other brothers, uh, well to Lewis. Um he did that in <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to overshadow your legacy, mate. That's yeah, why. Yeah, <laughs> now he went to Epsom College and have a great time there and did really well and played all sports. He's a very talented uh, sportsman, Tom, as well. Uh, you know, playing cricket, uh, football, and athletics and rugby, etc. So, um, and then just one day he said, "I want to go to Australia," and um, that's where I want to play. So we, we, um, well, he he got he got a. Uh, he sort of started to um, inquire about that with the Reds, et cetera, and that's he ended up sort of sending videos down there of him playing with both Harlequin's Academy and uh, Epsom's First 15, and and they picked him up, and he's down there now. He's, he's moved out of home. He's moved in with um, a, a teammate of his into a flat, so he's 18. Well, he was 18 when he did that, and so he's just turned 19 now. So he's, he's sort of, you know, it's a big move for him, and... Uh, He's, he's sort of doing pretty well, really. So, and Michael, do you think the, um, the pressure? We, we touched on it earlier, so there's a real life example. Do you think the pressure on Tom at Queensland is greater than it is on Lewis at Harlequins? A little bit, because he's also got Lewis. So he's got Lewis's, you know, because Lewis is known down in Australia, and um, I am as well, and he's in my hometown. So, if anything, I think that it's it's even more pressure on Tom from both fronts he's got a dad and a brother and the line of legacy of, of being a brisbane player a brisbane born yeah sort of reds and australian player so but he's you know and he's a goal kicker as well a goal kicking 10 so you know he's got it a lot in but he's a fairly unassuming and pretty confident young man and he's, he seems to be handling it all pretty well and it's interesting last week he he played um he did his uh, first grade debut it's like the premiership in brisbane and uh and the outside, there was Liner at 10 and uh, at 12 was a fellow called Alex Horan who happened to be Tim Horan's son. So was, <laughs> commentator, I was watching the replay and the commentator said, Liner to Horan, and he started giggling to himself saying, I didn't think I'd be saying that again. So, yeah. so that, that, once again, that added, that was all in the press. It was on the evening news, you know, so it's it sort of, 
and it's not obviously not easy for Alex Horan as well. It's, uh, but they both they're both pretty good friends, so it was nice that they got through it together. So, Lewis, excuse the direct directness of this next question, but um, <laughs> are you now English? <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> I've I've lived here since I was five, and I've got that accent. So, I mean, I do. There's a bit of me that is English, but I've always been brought up as an Australian Italian. Yeah. So, um, I, there, there's a lot of the culture side of me and my friends, everything, like, everything I know is English basically. And, but I still feel like me as a person, I still consider myself quite rooted to my mum and my dad, but I, I can also be English. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so Mike, I'm going to t- walk you up the timeline hypothetically. Okay. I'm going to take you, transform us all to 2031. It's the rugby world cup in Australia. Um, group B has been announced, and, and Australia, England, and Italy are all in the same group. Uh, Lewis is 30 years old at this point. He's a very established member of the England team, and he's scoring tries for fun. Tom is 28 years old, is a goal kicking playmaker for Australia, and Nick is the swashbuckling 15 year, uh, uh, 15. He's 24 years old, playing for Italy, uh, is, is the home of his, uh, his mum. So, who are you supporting and who wins? Oh. <laughs> all of them. All of them. We support all of them, of course. It's a very – I mean, I, I wouldn't mind going down to the the betting shop and just having a – seeing what odds they'd give us. Yeah. It would be almost write your own ticket, wouldn't it? But, um, look, it, I, I, you know, Nick Nick is the youngest and he's very sporty as well. Um, but, I've, you know, but it's up to him what he does. There's no pressure on him at all and, you know – to be open with you, I've, I've had a chat, you know, once Tom went to to Australia and, and, and Lewis is doing so well, there's been a lot of, and, and Nick goes to the old school where Lewis is and you can't move within the school without seeing something about Lewis or the teachers telling Nick how good he is and all that sort of thing. So he's de- dealing with a huge amount of stuff and, um, but, you know, sit him down and say, mate, look, don't feel any pressure to follow or try and uh, emulate your brothers or mm. my footsteps at all. You, you do what you want to do. And um, if that's sort of um, playing cricket or or becoming a lawyer or an accountant, you know, we will support you whatever you do. That Don't feel any pressure at all. And if you do, let us know and we'll, we'll, we'll help you with it. So, um, so as parents, that's our duty to, 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 to sort of make sure that, um, just because these other two are, are doing really well and in the press all the time, et cetera, you know, we don't, you know, you're no lesser person or a lesser son to us for that. So, um, but to try and get back to answer your question, I mean, <laughs> that'd be an amazing thing. And, uh, um, and look, it doesn't really matter. It, we've been asked often, you know, whether Australia play England and Lewis and Tom are in there. Look, all we'd want was them both to be um, safe and happy and enjoy the game and play really, really well and, It'd be a draw, but you can't have a draw between three teams. So. No. <laughs> and and, yeah, and Lewis, just you talk about your dad's talked about your brothers. How do you, the three of you, sort of support each other? I mean, you've obviously got sibling rivalry, you know, mm. boys together, but have you all been there for each other? And do you, you know, have you been able to speak to Tom about stuff? And as Nick's coming yeah. through, is that something that you do, but through through the uh, the, the the prism of piss taking, presumably? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It was, uh, when we were younger, um, there was a lot more competition, a lot more, um, like I wouldn't say fighting, but just like more uh, competitiveness. But 
I talk to Tom quite a lot um, when he's over in Australia. I go, I text him quite a lot, so that's good. It's not necessarily about rugby; it's just about general stuff. So it's always good to uh, stay in touch with him. And then with Nick, uh, I'm still I'm still living at home, so he's just down the corridor from me. So we we do um we do talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about rugby. Um, I remember when I won the final, well, when we won the final last year. Um, I remember both of them being there, and it was. That was um, pretty incredible to have um, both of them to watch me do that and celebrate together. And yeah, it was quite emotional. So it was, um, it was really cool to have them there. And I think that's, as we've gotten older, I think it's less so rivalry and wanting to be better than each other. There's obviously going to be that aspect. I've, I'm always going to push for me to be the best out of all of them. That's just, that's just, that's just kind of general competitiveness, and I'm sure Tom and Nick will do the same. Um, but I think now that we're older, I think it's more about being there and supporting them. I watch Tom. I watch Tom's games with Dad sometimes, or I watch them on re- uh, on replay if I can't, if I'm not awake for them. But um, and then I do go and watch Nick, and I'm really looking forward to next year with Nick. Hopefully, he's playing in the first team more, so at my old school, and I can go down and watch him more often. So. Um, I think that's really important. Uh, well, that's, yeah, it's wonderful. And what, what's very clear, sorry, Michael, what is very clear yeah. about all of this is the, the nurturing that you've done with your with your boys, having been a formidable player yourself, and there's obviously nature involved, the, the, what's coming through absolutely in spades is this strength of family mm. and the love you all have for each other has supported all of the boys and, and you as well, Michael, as you went mm. through your own health scare and all the rest of it. It seems to me that what I'm taking from this is the bond of the line of family. And I, I've met your dad too in Hong Kong. I remember him well. Mm. Is It's this strong family unit that has created such a wonderful platform for the opportunity for, for your lads. Yeah, no, thanks, Giles. That's very nice of you to say that. And, um, you know, as I said, I, you know, I think it's just what Lewis was saying there as well, that one of the proudest things for Isabella and I as parents is that the boys are, you know, happy and successful in what they're looking at doing and, um, you know, Nick's got a way to go. But um, but the, the, the best thing as parents is that they're, they're, they really are close and they, they support one another in what they're doing and, and, and that for us as parents is, is a terrific thing to experience. Yeah, well... I would just like to say from on behalf of Andy and I and actually our sponsors of Loch Lomond Whiskey, who they're going to be getting a bottle to both of you. I don't suppose, Lewis, for the moment that you're allowed to drink it, but maybe no, no, maybe, no. maybe, <laughs> maybe so send it to your grandfather in Australia. He'll, he'll be delighted. Yeah. It's a good yeah. drop, I promise you. Um, but I think on behalf of, of Andy and I in particular, uh, we're really excited to do this show because it's just – how one can I can't imagine what it's like to be an international sportsman the three of you can to have my children have a shot at that level as well must be the most amazing feeling so thank you for your time because it's fascinating it is, Andy. It is no, thanks, for me Charles. thanks Andy yeah thanks Michael and Lewis I mean my my grandpa played for Scotland so it jumped to generations so you know it, nobody saw my grandpa play a lot of Lewis's friends have seen Michael play and that's that's the difference and that's the the whole angle we're trying to explore here and it's just been a fascinating discussion and I just echo what Giles said but the the line of family connection seems really really strong and that's so we need you, you need support networks around you and sometimes that doesn't come from the family 
actually. But when it does, it's even more powerful. So uh, well done, everyone. Well done, Lewis. Well done to, to Tom and Nick, who we, we discussed a lot about. But I think more importantly, well done, Isabella, because uh, she, uh, <laughs> the lady that keeps this all together, I've no doubt, the, the, the strong mum and, and a great wife. So, Michael, Lewis, thank you so much for giving us your time. It's just been a fantastic insight. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Giles. Yeah, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Well, Andy, we've uh, we had a cracking start with with Kenny and Gabby on the show, where we got a sense of how how a marriage works w- within the world of sport. That was possibly the ultimate, obviously, father and son dynamic within sport with a a player who has so much potential and is about to perhaps hit the big time with someone who very much hit the big time for a long, long period of his career. I mean, you're a former player. That must have been fascinating. It was, but I just love the layers to the line of family story. It's not just about Lewis. And I love the I love the fact that, uh, you know, they, they recognised that actually it might was, it may be, be slightly easier for Lewis in England without the pressure of it, of, of Tom in Australia and in Queensland, he talked about his hometown. I mean, Michael Lyne is a god in Brisbane, you know, and uh, the Queensland Reds. And so, you know, I, what, but I'm not saying uh, Tom Lyne is any any better, worse, different than, than Lewis. It's just an opportunity. But I love people who take opportunity and he's almost run towards that channel. And Lewis is, um, you know, creating a wonderful career. I, I, I think he, well, he would have gone with England. He would have got capped, I think, this summer uh, in Australia. And how how would that have been for, for the line of family? So that was a great story. That is exactly what Generations is all about. It's about exploring that fam- family connection. And does it help? Does it hinder? Is it an advantage? Is it a disadvantage? And I think we saw... Today, in this environment, in the liner environment, it's a huge advantage. Absolutely. It might not be that case throughout. So I, I just find that fascinating. Well, you and I have been busy on the phones um, getting the next lot up. I'm not going to divulge to the listeners who's next, but we have got such a rich litany of, of this familial bond. So really looking forward to that. For all our listeners, um, thank you so much for the support of Are You Not Entertained and particularly now Loch Lomond Generations. Um, please review the show if you can. It does help. Um, we want to be pushed up the Spotify rankings and, and win more awards if we can. Christ, Andy will be a nightmare if we don't win an award next year. Very competitive, scrum half, chippy, that kind of thing. Um, Andy, how can people follow you um, on Twitter? They can get me on Andy Nick 9 Andy Nick Nine, and you can follow me, Giles Morgan seventy one on Twitter. Um, so all it remains for me to say is to to thank Michael and Lewis Liner for their time. Andy, wonderful to see you, and thank you for all for listening to the show. Thanks, Giles. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>